Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the State Fair Foundation helps keep the fair fresh. Minnesota's winter outlook from the Farmer's Almanac and Golden Gopher football. But first... A looming nurses strike, possibly the largest in U.S. history, and candidates for governor firing political shots over Minnesota's schools. Those stories top this week's political docket, and MN's Bill Werner files this. Our patients deserve better. Our families deserve better. Our communities deserve better. We deserve better. We will see you on the picket line. Katie Donner from St. John's Hospital in Maplewood. As union leaders this week gave notice that up to 15,000 members of the Minnesota Nurses Association will go on strike September 12th through the 15th at 15 hospitals in the Twin Cities and Duluth Superior unless the two sides reach agreement on overdue contracts. The hospitals responded with an unfair labor practices complaint to a federal agency, the National Labor Relations Board, and point out the nurses union has refused to enter into mediation, which Nurses Association President Mary Turner says would be premature. We have done everything. All of our proposals are designed to keep nurses at the bedside. The public health crisis is on its way here if 50% of our nurses leave the bedside. The union calls the hospital's unfair labor practices complaint, quote, a desperate attempt to further attack the collective bargaining rights of Minnesota nurses. In a statement, Ascension Duluth said, quote, we respect the MNA's right to call a legal strike, but they have not done so in this case, and we have a responsibility to provide patient care without disruption. Republican candidate for Governor Scott Jensen and running mate Matt Burke this week at the Minnesota State Fair unveiled their 10-point education plan the day after Governor Tim Walz released his ad slamming Jensen's stance. Listen to Scott Jensen's plan. Do you support more money for public schools or less money? Less money. I think it's a black hole. Scott Jensen would cut education to cut taxes for the wealthy. He is wrong for Minnesota. Jensen and critics exchanged harsh words this week over what he says is a key part of his plan, converting very low-performing public schools, including Minneapolis, into charter schools, self-governed schools, or non-public schools. The list to us looks like the greatest hits of failed and Um, discredited policies from the last 20 years. Said Education Minnesota Teachers Union President Denise Speck. Denise has every right to speak about what failure looks like because that's what their organization has done over and over again. Ed Minnesota doesn't speak for kids and it doesn't speak for teachers. They've failed at every turn. She's got a fiefdom. She's got an expense account. She's got what she wants. But let me tell you, Ed, Minnesota has very little to do with education and has everything to do with raw control, compliance, and corruption. Teachers Union President Speck contends Jensen's plan for education has much in common with... Book bans, uh, the mega trends of whitewashing history lessons harassing educators, generally making schools unwelcoming and ineffective for all of our students moving staff and repurposing schools and having mayors control things and eliminating school boards and things like that. They just simply are not working, um, and we don't need to try it here in Minnesota. Jensen fired back. Speck has got to be frightened that people are waking up. She's probably one of the experts in Minnesota at recognizing what failure looks like, and she's looking it straight in the eye, and she knows she's responsible. 
So I'm going to guess that she's going to do everything she can to demonize Matt Burke and I for the next 70 days. And I'm just going to tell Denise, have at it. And finally, to wrap up this week, let's exhale. And go over to 3M Arena at Mariucci as the University of Minnesota officially welcomed 7,600 freshmen. This is a happy day, but we know you've been through a lot getting here. But through it all, you've demonstrated the utmost character, strength, and resiliency. And above all else, you've stayed committed to the task. President Joan Gable telling the class of 2026, the second largest in the past 50 years for the U of M, and officials say the most diverse ever. For those of you who are lifelong Minnesotans, you may already have deep ties and be very certain about our state's flagship university. And for our out-of-state students, you're in for a North Star treat. And classes began immediately. Future graduates getting a brief lesson from members of the University of Minnesota Marching Band under the direction of Betsy McCann. I'd like to invite up our 66th drum major, John Ingram, along with a few of his friends, to teach you our alma mater. We'll start with the first phrase. Minnesota, hail to thee, hail to thee, our college dear. And after practicing four more phrases... Now, this is your alma mater, and you get to sing with us. It is customary to stand as you are able and remove your hats for singing the alma mater. We have an intro that we will play, and then please join the band in singing your alma mater. everybody. And Scott, University of Minnesota Marching Band Director Betsy McCann certainly got that right. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns right after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. 
Throughout the state, Minnesota Electric Co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did you know nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. As the State Fair comes to an end for another year, we're shedding light on an organization that you may not have heard of, but that is largely responsible for helping keep the fair running smoothly each year. It's the Minnesota State Fair Foundation, and I spoke with its executive director, Mary Chung. This year we're celebrating our 20th anniversary here at the State Fair with uh, thousands of our fellow Minnesotans. Mary, tell me a little bit about what the foundation uh, does for the State Fair each year. Yeah, the foundation touches the experience of everyone who walks through the gates, whether they know it or not. Um, Over the past 20 years, we've raised more than $20 million to to fund programs and improvements across the fairgrounds. So this includes some new buildings, um, like the History and Heritage Center or the CHS Miracle of Birth Center, um, improvements to historic buildings like the Grandstand or the Warner Coliseum, um, projects that help with comfort and accessibility like benches, sidewalks, taking care of trees. And then we've also funded some new programs that are now fair favorites like the Giant Sing-Along, Elizabeth Forest, the different, different projects like that. How do you prioritize which projects are going to get the, the work each year? Well, so we work very closely with the State Fair to see what the needs are here on the fairgrounds. We listen to all the different State Fair partners uh, who help make this great experience happen to see what they need in order to deliver, deliver the programs that happen in our buildings. Um, and we, we talk to our donors and see what are the things that they see as as. Um, really wanting to connect with here on the fairgrounds. So uh, we, we have donors who are passionate about agriculture or who are passionate about our creative activities showcase and, and really want to see, to see improvements to really highlight all the accomplishments and greatness uh, you know, across different parts of the grounds. And, and we're able to, to help make that happen. Mary, how do the donors become involved and uh, provide the funding for this? Well, there are so many ways for people to do that. Uh, the easiest way is to sign up to be a friend of the fair. It's our annual membership program with levels starting at $25 up to above 1000 And with that, you get a ribbon or, or some different benefits that can include tickets and uh, pre-sale access to grandstand shows. Or They can donate a bench um, outside of the Friends of the Fair program. They can give to specific projects. People can include gifts uh, to benefit the State Fair in their wills. We have so many ways to give, and our website has a lot of information on that, or people can always call or visit us while they're at the State Fair. Mary, you talked about how the Foundation is celebrating its 20th anniversary. I'm wondering, how did things get fixed on the fairgrounds prior to uh, 20 years ago? 
Yeah, that is a good question. So the state fair is completely self-supporting, doesn't receive funding from um, from state government. Uh, many of the buildings were built, you know, in the era of the WPA, uh, and I'd say coming up to when the foundation was creative or created, the uh, the there was. <laughs> I'd say an acknowledgement that the buildings were aging, and so gate ticket revenue and and all of that just wasn't enough to keep up with the level of infrastructure need that the state fair had. So the state fair created its own, or got its own bonding authority through the legislature, and then created the state fair foundation to really address that need, so that we could continue to host this amazing cultural event that you know touches the whole state, no matter where you're from. Obviously, Mary, we've been dealing with the pandemic. The fair was canceled for one year, and it wasn't quite the same last year. What kind of an impact did that have on the foundation and improving some of the the grounds and the uh, buildings at the fair? Yeah, I mean, obviously the pandemic had a huge impact on the state fair itself and and its ability to take care of of the fairgrounds. And um, luckily, a lot of work had been done. Um, in the years leading up to it, that it was in pretty good shape. But the foundation definitely stepped in to to take over some of the um, to take over some of the items like maintaining treating trees so that we can keep this beautiful canopy of shade that we have here on the fairgrounds. Um, other and other maintenance needs, um, maintenance improvement needs that that the fair really needed during that time. So it I'd say it had us so that we were addressing some more of the the basic uh, capital needs of, of the fair. Um, and and now we're just so excited to be back uh, for a more normal fair, whatever normal means anymore, and, and really just looking ahead at, at all that is to come. Having been to, at the fair last week, I can tell you it felt normal. It was crowded and uh, it, it smelled great and the food was great and uh, everything was just as uh, I had remembered it prior to the pandemic. Yeah, um, I would say I don't know if it was always, you know, just what I have noticed being out here this, you know, this last week. People are just so happy to be here. And I, that's one of the beauties of the fair is it's a place where we can all come together and and it just brings some the state fair brings so much joy across you know across all minnesotans that that is what feels so normal this year is the joy of the state fair is back thank you to my guest executive director of the minnesota state fair foundation mary chung minnesota matters returns after this Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. All signs are pointing to a cold, snowy winter. This week, Tasha Radel had a chance to visit with Pete Geiger, editor of the Farmer's Almanac, to discuss their winter outlook for 2022 and 23. I don't want to think about winter yet because, you know, we have a few <laughs> solid months of fall. But, Pete, uh, what are you hearing and seeing uh, heading into fall and, and winter here in the Midwest and in Minnesota? Well, we, we're... Well, first of all, we're saying for winter that it should be shake, shiver, and shovel. So that means there's going to be some cold, there's going to be a lot of snow. But you're in the part of the country that we're designating the hibernation zone, glacial snow-filled. That sounds horrible. Um, We do talk about some snows um, in the middle of October, talk about some snow in November, uh, more significant snow in the the end of November. We talk about some early snow in, uh, some snow in early December. 
but the, the month to watch is going to be January when we talk about it being as, as cold as maybe minus 40 degrees. Now, we do the weather two years in advance. So when I say minus 40, it might only be minus 20 or minus 10, um, but it, it's, it's for more of effect as to what it's going to be, what, what we think it's going to be for, for your part of the, of the country. So, so we think a very snowy, a very cold winter, probably starting a little early, and, um, and, and even, even one significant snowfall possibly in uh, the month of March. Wow, I can't believe you're you're already talking snow in October. You just <laughs> made my tummy turn. That's for sure. Holy moly! But, well, but I but I but you know it's been so it's been so hot and so dry that uh, we want and and because the cost of fuel is just through the roof. I mean it, it's come down during the summer, but it's going to go back up. So we want people to have time to prepare. So between the the 2023 Farmers Almanac with the orange and green cover and our website, you so you have your one in your hand, but then you have the other one that you can go to our website and get more information. For example, we have a, a hint about you know, if you have a leaky window where, where, where cold is coming through the glass, you take some bubble wrap, you spray a little water on the glass, you stick the bubble portion on the window, cut it to the size of the window, and then it keeps the, uh, keeps the cold out. Wow, you just gave me a really great tip. I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, you're not going to bubble. You don't want to bubble wrap your whole house, but you may have some windows that really are leaky, and uh, it's just kind of a, a clever, a clever idea. And we have a, a lot of those um, suggestions. You know, between between buying buying things and freezing it, because we have an article that talks about freezing eggs, and you take a, a muffin tin and you crack the egg and put it in the in the different pockets of the, the tin and then you freeze it then you pop them out put them in a freezer bag and they keep for an entire year so if you can get a bargain on on eggs then go out there and and buy them freeze them and use them when you want wow i didn't know that either see i learned something new every day that's interesting <laughs> i better stock up on eggs no doubt <laughs> well, if they're on if they're on, if they're on sale you stock up on them but this is just you know this is just an idea that if if you can find a bargain you can freeze it. You can freeze eggs, freeze milk, freeze butter, freeze cheese. It's all in, in this year's almanac, all of the, the, the suggestions that we have for people. All right, another uh, good way to save money. And then, you know, not to put you up on the spot, but leading up to October, what what can we expect here? <laughs> um, well, let me just grab that part of it. Uh, yeah, oh, in, sorry in, about in, that. In, that's okay. No, in September, we talk about it starting off pleasant. Uh, we talk about... Uh, 8th to the 11th, having some thunderstorms, um, mostly fair in the middle of the month. Um, yeah, you, you know, some, some, some certain amount of, of wind, some rain, maybe at the end of the month, maybe some wet snowflakes, but nothing nothing terribly exciting that way. So I think your, your fall is going to be uh, probably a pretty good fall. A lot, a lot of times in, in October, um, you, you sometimes get a big windstorm that kind of takes the leaves off the trees. Um I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but, I, but we do talk about some some bad weather in, in October. Overall, I think the fall is going to be a, a decent fall. I I think trees are probably stressed this summer from the from the heat and the and the dryness, but um, I think overall the, the fall will be fairly good. And and I think your winter, well, you know, you live in Minnesota, so you're 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 used to it. You love it. Yeah, we're used to it, but not the October. I mean, I think we had the Halloween blizzard of '92, yeah. but I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. So. All right. Well, well, well for let's see. Well, for Halloween, uh, we say just cloudy, cloudy. How's okay. that for Halloween? 
Okay. You know what? I'll take I'll take cloudy. I'll take cloudy. Well, Pete, as always, I just thank you so much yep. for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound, chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray-brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Golden Gophers open the football season with a game Thursday night against New Mexico State. Minnesota senior tight end Brevin Spanford of St. Cloud is hoping to have a big season. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with Spanford about how he's embraced run blocking. Well, the process definitely started with uh, being around guys like Cole Keefe, Colton Beebe, Bryce Witham, Jake Paulson. Those guys really instilled for me at a young age here that um, like, you have to bring a mindset every time you step on the field. And uh, the guy across from you is going to have to – he's either going to move you or you're going to move him. So uh, just always come to work uh, ready and prepared and uh, with the hair on fire a little bit. Does it is it too maybe to a point where you kind of look forward to it like in a certain play call where you know you, you you're going to be called upon like hey I got to create a hole or I got to you know create uh, you know some separation here for the running back to get through does do you like welcome it maybe yeah. more than you thought you might as a as a guy who wanted to catch passes yeah. most definitely and uh, it also helps that you know you got I got my brothers back there in the backfield that I want to protect them so uh, you know I'll I'll do anything for those guys. Pass catching as well, clearly. 23 catches last year. You had a touchdown. I thought you came on, especially late in the year, strong. Had the great game at Indiana with that great run where what you hurdled about 16 guys down the sideline. It was fun to watch. Um, take me through the uh, the pass catching part where, you know, is there a way that you want to, you know, step forward from 23-1 I mean, and is not a terrible year, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, I think that uh, as a group, pass catchers, uh, including the wide receivers and our tight ends, we – we can have a, a lot better year this year. Um, we've grown. We all. We've all grown up a lot, and uh, we've learned to kind of play off each other. Uh, you know, we have guys that can take the top off the defense, like Mike Brown Stevens. We have guys that run great intermediate routes, like Crab. Like we have guys that can attack every part of the field. So uh, I'm really excited to see their growth and combine it with mine as well. And. Uh, attack any defense we can and there were some times later especially in the year last year where you lined up kind of in a receiver spot uh, do you kind of salivate when those kind of plays are called yeah I mean I, I, I now it's more the same as when I'm lining up to block yeah. so uh, you know wherever the team needs me and wherever I can benefit and uh, defeat a defense that's where we're going to put everyone on the field so you talked about consistency was your main goal. Uh, was there some two just skill things? Like, I suppose if you're a tight end, you got to practice catching. I mean, how does how does a summer and a fall go like that in terms of just creating uh, improvement there? Uh, definitely a lot of ball drills. Um, 
distraction drills, uh, tennis ball work, uh, bricks, catch, uh, grabbing b buckets of rice, things like that. Uh, we did it all this summer. So um, uh, the, the effects of that have shown all camp. Uh, we're, we're definitely improved as a pass catching unit, and um, I look forward to continue that success. Red zone offense, how uh, big of a piece can you play in that? Uh, man, I'll I'll do whatever in the run game and pass game. Um, we've we've I think we've grown a lot this camp as a unit and uh, have really improved our res, our green zone offense. Yeah, you guys call it green zone. It's so important, right, to get touchdowns. And I mean, obviously, if you have to take a field goal, you'll take it. But touchdowns uh, help you win games more than field goals. Yeah, that's definitely an emphasis uh, Coach Fleck put on us. Uh, in the middle of camp, he kind of challenged our offense to, you know, have a great season in, in the in the green zone this year because uh, that was somewhere we kind of lacked last year. St. Cloud, Minnesota, how meaningful is it to, to have stayed one in your home state to now have an impact and to now, you know, when you run out of the tunnel here this week uh, to, to have that Minnesota across the front of your chest? Uh, it's, it's always an incredible feeling. Um, just the love and support I got from my hometown. Uh, my friends, family, all everyone comes, sees games, things like that, watches on TV. I always get messages and things like that, and I just, I really, I really appreciate that, and I hope to get back to them as soon as I can. Yeah, what about St. Cloud helped you know make you into what you are? Uh, I think just the people, uh, the extreme diversity, um, the the tradition. Uh, I think everything in this city. Um, it's it's been, it's been a great and great and long journey, but. Uh, I always look forward to coming back home and seeing all my people. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of your teammates were asked about if they were to put a starting five together for hoops, and you were one of the first names, if not the first, by a few guys, Tanner Morgan and Michael Brown-Stevens, and I think Braylon Oliver mentioned you as well. Um, are they accurate with that? Are you, are you one of the starting five if you were to get a hoops team together? I, I, I humbly think I would be on the starting five. Um, <laughs> I think we would have a great team. Uh, we just need a little bit of practice, you know. Who would your starting five be? So you're, we're going to put you in. Are you, a, what, a four probably, a power forward? Yeah, probably like a four. Um, I, want, I need Crab. I need Mike. And then I'm going to go Braylon Oliver because, you know, he's a scrapper. Yeah. He's a, have a defensive guy out he's there. A, he's a scrapper and he's, he's a post scorer. Yeah. Which I don't know is Braylon Oliver can really score in the post. <laughs> and then – a wild card I'm throwing in is Anthony Smith. I've seen Anthony Smith play basketball, and he is – wait till you see him play football. That's all I got to say. And then, and then I'll hold down the four spot. Gotcha. Now, Tanner was trying to put a move on being in that five. Is he maybe a six-man off the bench? Tanner is most definitely a six-man. He don't, he, he, he don't play enough defense. <laughs> he's all offense, huh? Yeah, he's a, little, he's a little shooter, got decent defense. He tried to hype it up like he has more better defense than he does, though. Now you got to be careful. You can't badmouth your quarterback too much because you you know you need you need him to throw you the you football. Know, you know, I I love him to death. He knows that, and he knows that he's not in the starting five. <laughs> you um, also, when uh, Coach Ben Johnson was at practice a few weeks ago, you kind of challenged uh, him. He said, "Our five against your five. I know it was a little tongue in cheek, but that'd be kind of fun to watch. You know, it's really crazy because I didn't expect nobody to hear it, <laughs> but now it's all circulating in the media and stuff. I just hope I hope Coach Johnson don't see it because. He gonna send like Parker Fox and Jamison. He don't need to send Jamison. I played Jamison in AAU growing up, and I don't want to play against him. <laughs> That's Golden Gopher tight end Brevin Spanford of St. Cloud with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station. Minnesota.